This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, August 16th, 2022. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for the Tuesday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. Dodge has announced it will discontinue its gas-powered Challenger and Charger muscle cars. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, earnings reports are out from some of America's top retailers, plus shares of Bed Bath & Beyond are surging. We're joined by Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. Uh, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about some of the retail earnings, some stronger than expected results from uh, from Walmart and Home Depot today. Yes, and Walmart's kind of interesting, and I think you need to put the, the better than expected results in some context. The company just a few weeks ago and actually down uh, downgraded its outlook, and the stock had, had sold off. So what they've managed to do is beat their lowered guidance from just a few weeks ago. But uh, you know, it, it's one more you know data point that says things quite aren't as bad as as people thought they might be. And uh, the fact that they did uh, up their guidance a little bit and, and did say that they're starting to see some strength in certain areas, such as the back to school. Uh, market seems like it's been strong, and, and Walmart probably will continue to benefit from this trading down idea that consumers are kind of trading down to, to lower price products, which should help Walmart. So, you know, the stock's up nicely today, and, and uh, that's a nice breakout in that stock, so it'll probably head higher here in the short term. Shifting gears now to the quarterly earnings reports from Home Depot, what is that telling us about consumers? Well, well that they're, they're still willing to absorb increases to a point. Uh, Home Depot's revenues were up pretty nicely, I think about 9%. The, the one kind of flying new ointment is that it's the fifth straight quarter where total transactions have declined. So they're seeing uh, you know, lower transactions, but because of inflation, the, the, the uh, revenue generated by those transactions is up. I, I think it's a, it was a decent quarter. And again, I think it's a case where people were expecting maybe something worse. They didn't get it. The company did manage to beat. And uh, you know, that stock is benefiting too. And, and keep in mind, you know, Home Depot stock is, even after today's move, is still down about 21% from its 52-week high. So there had already been a fair amount of pessimism baked into that stock. And uh, these days, if you come out with earnings that aren't as bad as people think and you have a stock that's already been beaten up, you get these kind of bounces that we're seeing today. Certainly another wild uh, meme trading day for Bed Bath & Beyond. It's up, I'm looking at it right now, up 65%. What's going on? Yeah, that that is not... Do not misconstrue what's going on at Bed Bath & Beyond with the, the same sort of retail 
in, uh, impacts that are that are uh, affecting Home Depot and Walmart. That is its own animal, and it's basically being driven, as you said, by these kind of meme traders that kind of pile into stocks, most of which have significant, if not huge, short interest where there's been a lot of short selling in those stocks. Uh, Bed Bath has been one of those, and, and where all of a sudden you get these giant what are called short squeezes, where the short sellers are getting piled on by these buyers and they have to cover their shorts, which means they have to come in and buy the shares. And you get these type of outsized moves where, you know, stocks go up 40, 50, 60% in a day. They generally aren't lasting. And I would caution people about chasing that kind of strength. But, you know, for certain stocks that have kind of captured, you know, the interest of these, these traders, these meme traders, you know, this is what can happen to a stock that has tremendous amount of short interest. The short sellers just get crushed on a day like today. Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond. Coming up, Dodge is saying so long to a pair of its classic muscle cars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, it's going to be the end of an era when Dodge ends production of a pair of its gas-powered classics. Let's get the latest from Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter based in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Jeff, we're talking specifically about the Challenger and Charger. So help us understand the decision to end production of these muscle cars. Well, yeah, first they're going to be uh, out of production as of the end of the 23 model year. And the reality is these are two big V8-powered vehicles in an era where everything is going electric. And the plant that they're made at in Canada is going to shut down at the end of the run of these vehicles, as well as the Chrysler 300, and will convert to make EVs in the future. And Dodge is saying, stay tuned, because we've got an electric muscle car coming. Is it possible that those uh, future EVs could look very similar to the Charger and Challenger? I would say it is beyond possible to the point of likely, but obviously there would have to be some styling changes, some changes made because they're electric vehicles. But uh, the, the Challenger and Charger have been very popular vehicles. They're actually cars that still have a lot of appeal in an era of SUVs. So you can imagine that uh, it's very possible even those names might come back at some point when they have that electric muscle car. And and again, we're not not being given a timetable just in the next couple of years. You mentioned that these two cars, these two models, still have a lot of appeal. It also generated a significant amount of income for Dodge. And I'm thinking specifically about how just even starting maybe in the low 30s, but then you could really get quite, uh, quite expensive for some of the, like the Hellcat model, for example. Right, exactly. And then vehicles like the Hellcat model, they didn't sell a lot of those, but that, that sort of brought a cachet to the brand and to the entire company, which is now called Stellantis, that has a number of other brands. But, but again, it's just an indication that the days of those big V8 engines are definitely numbered because we've got some tough fuel economy rules now and some extremely tough ones coming. Is this a move that we could see other automakers sort of adopting as well? I think you will have to see that happen. If you take a look at General Motors, they have already told us that an electric version of the Corvette is coming. That doesn't mean the current Corvette is going away. But, uh, you know, you could see at some point in the future where to get that kind of power with the current fuel economy rules, you need electrification. And if you look at Ford, you've got the Mustang Mach-E now. You've got a new Mustang coming. But it's very likely that that new Mustang that they're going to show off next month will probably be the last generation, last new generation of gasoline-powered Mustang. 
things. And just sort of a, an overall philosophy from from Dodge is it sort of shifting gears from from offering this sort of uh, muscle car that you know certainly brought attention to the brand, but maybe now we're we're focusing a lot more on the automaker's carbon footprint. Well, I think that they have tuned that brand to focus on muscle, but the reality is you can no longer do muscle with big engines, so you have to have electrification, either hybrid or pure electric vehicles. So they definitely want that muscle cachet, but it's going to have to fit into what the future auto industry is going to look like. Thanks for the insight. Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter based in Detroit. Up next on this Travel Tuesday, we're going to help you make sure you're properly prepared for your next trip. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and as you prepare for your last fling of summer trip, well, there's some important things you might want to be aware of. Let's get some help from Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of TravelingMom.com, based here in Chicago. And Cindy, a vacation's supposed to be a time to relax and de-stress, but uh, maybe for me and maybe some others, packing is a lot of anxiety-inducing activities. Oh, packing is real, is everybody's anxiety-inducing activity when you're talking about travel. The key really is to pack your credit card because if you, that way if you forget something, you can always go and buy it unless you're going to, you know, Nepal or the backcountry somewhere where there's not a Walmart or a Target, you're going to be fine. Um, I'm all about packing light, especially these days, because they're going to charge you to check your bag. And if you connect flights, there's a really, really good chance that your bag's not going to make it. Or in the case of a friend of mine who just flew back from South Dakota to New York, his bag got to New York and he didn't. (laughs) No. Well, there is thankfully a few options, too, for tracking your luggage if you do have to check it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the new hot thing is to to get an AirTag or one of those, um, you know, sort of find my phone kind of devices and put one in your bag. Because, you know, you've all seen pictures of the, the sea of luggage at the airport. And it's really hard to find a bag if you can't tell the the, the people at the airport where it is. It'll give you a much better shot at actually getting your bag back. One of the things that I've experienced in my travel journeys that I actively prepare for is going through the TSA. I make sure that I am wearing something. My sneakers are easy to take off. I'm not wearing a lot of metal. (laughs) Like that, I think, is like maybe the most important thing I think about is what to wear on travel day. You know what? It's a really important thing. You, you know, you want layers for the plane because it gets gets cold on the plane, but you don't want to have to take off. You don't just strip in the uh, the TSA lane. So so plan accordingly. Accordingly, think about what it is, and you know, make sure that the stuff that you need to send through separately. You know, the those three point four ounces of everything. Make sure that they're easily accessible in your bag. If you have a, a bag with an outside pocket, pack things in there like your laptop and your your bag of toiletries so you can easily pull them out without, you know, unpacking everything at the line and, you know, showing everybody your unmentionables. We've touched on what to bring with you, but quickly let's talk about what you're leaving behind. There should be maybe a little pre-vacation home checklist of things to do at your house before you leave. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm a big list maker because if it's not written down, it doesn't exist in my life. And one of those lists that I make is not just about everything that I need to know where I'm going, but what I need to do before I leave. And that's everything that you never think about at the last minute. Like, did I turn off the coffee pot? You know, did I turn off the iron? Did I water the plants? Are they going to be good for a week? So think about all of those things and do it now, not you know, the morning that you're trying to leave, because if you do it now and you write it all down or you have that list handy, you can just add to it 
over the course of the week as you're getting ready, then that morning as you're rushing out the door, all you can do is look at it and start crossing things off and go, oh, forgot to turn off the coffee pot. And it won't be already at the airport when you remember that. Some great advice from Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of TravelingMom.com here in Chicago. Still ahead on Travel Tuesday, American Airlines looks toward a supersonic future. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of car. They are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station. News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. One of Illinois' largest school districts is back in session today. In Travel Tuesday, American Airlines places a deposit on an order for 20 supersonic planes, but their arrival still years away. And the federal government approves an over the counter sale of hearing aids. WBBM Business, the Dow up 284 points, the NASDAQ down 13, and the SP 500 up 14 points. AccuWeather says a pleasant afternoon this Tuesday will reach a high of 82 degrees in the suburbs, closer to 76 along the lakefront. Clear skies tonight, low 64, then again sunny tomorrow with a high of 81 degrees. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Today marks the start of a new academic year at the second largest school district in the state. WBBM's Bernie Tafoya reports from outside the uh, Northwest Suburban High School. At Bartlett High School, Principal Mike Domofsky wore a long-sleeved green t-shirt with the word believe on it. He was pumped up for the first day of classes for the Bartlett Hawks. We're really happy for all of our kids. Believe on or succeed, we are BHS and we dream big. Kaka. In District U46 this year, masks are not required to be worn, but they are recommended. Superintendent Tony Sanders rode a school bus to Bartlett and greeted arriving students before reboarding the bus to ride along with middle school and elementary school students on their first day. People are feeling a little bit more relaxed and more normal coming back into this school year, unlike uh, the last couple of years. So it's starting off really strong. District U46 has more than 35,000 students from the northwestern suburbs. In Bartlett, Bernie Tafoya, 105.9 WBBM. The Food and Drug Administration is authorizing the sale of hearing aids without a prescription. Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Bishira, rather, says for many, quality affordable devices are too expensive. Hearing aids can cost thousands of dollars per pair, and they're not always covered by insurance. I say that not just as the Secretary of Health and Human Services, but as the son of one of those consumers in this country who has had to shop for all sorts of pairs of hearing aids and is still trying to recoup several hundred dollars of unreturned dollars for a hearing aid that did not work. The hearing aids will be available at pharmacies and retail stores starting in mid-October. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are mixed. We're joined now by Jeff Kilberg, Chief Investment Officer at Sanctuary Wealth here in Chicago. Jeff, uh, what stocks are making the biggest moves midday today? Well, Richard, we're seeing Walmart and Home Depot. And it's actually interesting to see the Dow Jones is actually rallying for its fifth day in a row. And 
The S&P 500 is looking for its fifth consecutive week. So a big turnaround from where we were in mid-June. But if you look at Walmart, as well as Home Depot, this retail earnings week that we have upon us is really revealing the consumer strength. And to see both of those shares up about 5%, that's revealing that the consumer and the retail earnings is much better than expected. So that's been a nice catalyst to keep this rally moving. Well, that's just it. We're also expecting some more retail data from uh, Target later this week. Do you expect that that positive momentum is just going to keep continuing across the retail board? I I do. And I think it was underappreciated or underestimated the strength of consumer. We were obviously uh, grappling with all types of inflation. But at the end of the day, Target, uh, Best Buy, and don't forget Bed Bath & Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond is one of the meme stocks, which is having a remarkable day today, uh, up over 57.5% as all the Reddit traders have, have gathered resources and pushed that name back above. If you remember all the meme stocks going back to AMC, GameStop, Bed Bath & Beyond in January 2021, we're having a little bit of deja vu here in Bed Bath & Beyond, up 57.5%. Also seeing a little bit of a dip in tech today. Zoom video shares down about 5%. Same for Snowflake, which is the cloud computing company. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on that space. Yeah, I think Zoom, uh, as well as Snowflake, you have to put those off to the side on tech. When we talk tech, we typically like to think the FANG stocks, uh, those mega cap stocks, Facebook, Amazon, uh, Microsoft, and Google. It's interesting, as you've seen the 10-year note, certainly it is down from 3.5% where it was in the month of June, but at 2.83%, that's a little bit of an uptick in yield. And all those high beta mega stock, uh, mega technology stock names do have sensitivity. So when you see the yield of 10-year go up, you will see that rate-sensitive tech sector come down just a little bit. But it's been a remarkable bounce back. If you think about it, Rachel, we've had a more than 22% recovery. Actually, the technology, the NASDAQ is now technically in a bull market. So a remarkable move 180 degrees difference from the middle of June. You mentioned uh, sort of a comeback with the meme stocks we mentioned. Crypto also having a significant rally, at least in the past two months. Do you expect that running growth will continue as well? You know, it's interesting to see the, the crypto. I think it's a ton of opportunity if you're day trading. If you're investing for the long term, there has been some pain. We've seen some people put in the hurt locker. But I think as we continue to get visibility of how the SEC, how the U.S. government's going to regulate cryptocurrency, I think that is building a base, a foundation here. But I expect continued volatility in crypto before it has the ability to potentially go back up. And the other thing that I want to sort of make mention of uh, briefly, we, circling back to big tech, uh, we know that the the STC has talked about sort of uh, being a little bit more aggressive in going after those merger deals. Is that creating any fear within some of these giant tech companies that are looking to expand and purchase other companies and monopolize potentially? You know, that's a great point you bring up, and it's certainly an undercurrent. There's always anxiety when you talk about government regulation, uh, you know, inside of uh, the recent bill, I think they called it the Inflation Act, but it was actually a tax on some of these big corporations buying back their own shares. So there's always different angles that the government is going to be coming at these bigger companies. So, yes, that is a concern. However, it's not an imminent or short-term concern. Thanks so much. Jeff Kilberg, Chief Investment Officer at Sanctuary Wealth, based here in Chicago. Up next, it's still Travel Tuesday, and we'll look at American Airlines as it's boosting the supersonic portion of its fleet. Discussing the news affecting your money. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. American Airlines has agreed to buy up to 20 jets from manufacturer Boom Supersonic. Let's find out more about these planes and when they might be joining the fleet. We're joined now by Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University. Joe, uh, this is a supersonic speed <laughs> of, an, uh, of a deal. When can we maybe see this uh, really roll out for, for air travel? Well, the first test uh, likely could happen in about 2025, 26, but the flights could begin as early as 2029 if all goes well. And they got a manufacturing plant in uh, North Carolina. They have a kind of a small test version, but there's still a lot of variables, of course. Uh, a lot of technology needed, uh, sustainable aviation fuel they want to use in these supersonic planes. But both the United American are feel confident enough to put some deposits down to, to get a couple of dozen of these. Now, it's been nearly 20 years since, since Concorde, so I'm curious what's uh, going to be a little bit different this time around. Yeah, it's really remarkable. I mean, since the 707 came out in the 50s, the speed of air travel has pretty much stayed the same. You know, once the plane's in the air, except for the Concorde, you know, which uh, uh, had a pretty good run, but never quite could make it commercially. It, uh, you know, it was a fuel hog. It uh, had a lot of maintenance issues and an accident, a terrible accident. And so those were grounded in 2003. So since then, airlines have been sort of waiting for the technology to catch up with what people wanting flights. So this plane could go twice as fast as a typical uh, typical jet, so United Americans see some potential. And when we're saying twice as fast, this is like faster than the speed is sound, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is quite a bit. It's Mach 7. And to give you some sense, it could cut the flights from, say, Chicago to London, you know, to about uh, four hours or so, perhaps less. And, you know, that's a big deal, and uh, the tickets would be high, but uh, but this flying plane could carry 80 people. It's a good-sized plane, so the ticket prices would be more affordable than the Concorde, but still uh, still not cheap. Is there is there potential for these jets to fly over land? I know that there was some concern previously, the protesters even, just about the sonic booms created from these planes. You know, that's a good point, because there's still some ambiguity about that. And we do know that you can take flight paths that uh, uh, get you in international waters pretty quick. Nobody expects to see these in domestic operations. Uh, but there still needs to be some legislation passed for that. Now, fortunately for the airlines, you know, most international routes, especially from the coast, that's not an issue. But, boy, that really hampered the Concorde and uh uh, you know, the, the the politics of this could get pretty ugly. Yeah. Well, and do you think that uh, a passenger debut in 2029 is realistic? A lot of these plans still yet to be uh, figured out, I think. There's still some variables, as you mentioned. Yeah, I would say that's a bit of optimistic uh, thinking there. And it uh, certainly it's going to happen. We do know the technology allows for it. But I have to say that... Uh, you know, the first unit won't even be rolled out to be tested till 2026. And there is a really high bar, especially after the uh, the Boeing masks, uh, max crises we had a few years ago that to prove this plane is airworthy is going to take take some doing. Uh, that said, there's a couple companies that are in the game here, and there's some sense that Boeing may enter this market. Uh, but I do think uh, these are not... Uh, Elon Musk style uh, pipe dreams. <laughs> These are this is a real uh, engineered aircraft that they're getting ready to start uh, start to produce. Thanks so much for joining us, Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University here in Chicago. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday, and still to come, buying hearing aids 
over the counter. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. People will be able to buy hearing aids without a prescription starting this fall. Bruce Japson, Forbes Healthcare writer based here in Chicago, joins us. And Bruce, help us understand this new regulation announced by the Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, Rachel, this is great news for potentially millions of Americans that the Food and Drug Administration uh, is coming up with a new regulation by this fall that will allow for the -the over-the-counter sale of hearing aids. Very significant because there are lots of people, millions of Americans, you may even have a loved one that's stubborn and is not going to get one. They don't have much of an excuse now because they will be available in a retail setting. And we know what happens when, um, you know, if, if a CVS or a Walgreens or a Walmart or even Amazon can sell uh, a hearing aid, it's going to bring the prices down. And these are very expensive. There is generally not a lot of health insurance coverage for uh, hearing aids, which when you include the hearing aid and the, and the services to, to get one, it can cost uh, more than $5,000. And so when you talk about introducing these in an over-the-counter setting with these new regulations, uh, it's going to drive the prices down and it's going to make it more available widely, particularly in areas of the country. And we know there's shortages of teachers, there's shortages of everything, there's shortages of audiologists and physicians. You're just not going to have to go through that red tape of that hassle anymore. Yeah, I think just about everyone has someone they love or know that uh, is dealing with either mild or moderate hearing loss. I'm a little bit hopeful that my dad is listening right now with the volume turned up and telling him to go (laughs) get a hearing aid starting in mid-October. I want to clarify, though, that this, uh, while it does cut some red tape, it's not for those with severe hearing loss. No, you don't. You should definitely. And, and here, here's the good thing about uh, older Americans. They generally are really good about going to the doctor and going for their checkup. OK, so those those are covered so they can have a consultation uh, with their primary care doctor and whatever. And they will probably know uh, how severe the hearing loss is. But for those with mild um, or, or, or um, moderate hearing loss, um, they'll at least be able to, you know, tr- tr- try something out on their own in a retail setting. Um, but they're really not going to have to go. Uh, if you do have more severe uh, hearing loss, you probably are already have a hearing aid now. Um, but but you you have a, a healthcare checkup that can help you with that and those decisions. And these hearing aids uh, are going to be regulated by the FDA because I know that there are some over-the-counter hearing devices that people can purchase. I haven't heard great reviews about them, but this is sort of now going to have a standard of of uh, expectations of what these devices can do. Yes, exactly. Essentially, what the FDA is doing is they're creating a new class of hearing aids that don't require a medical exam. And so I'm confident, um, given the potential business that this is going to be to, um, you know, CVS, Walgreens, you know, maybe Jewel, uh, that I'm sure that they will be able to, um, they will be advertising that they are FDA approved. A matter of fact, you, you, if something is FDA approved, just like a prescription drug, um, that what comes with the FDA regulation are rules and regulations on advertising. So um, I think come this fall, I think they're going to be inundated with advertising and it will probably note 
um, in the ads and the marketing that the retailers are going to do that, hey, this is the new thing that people are talking about. That's Bruce Japson, Forbes healthcare writer based here in Chicago. You'll find past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMnewsradio.com and on the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.